Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Rowing Chat podcast. I started this podcast in 2013, and today we're going to be talking to Carla Beekman, who is an expert in coaching rowing from the Netherlands. Carla, welcome. Hi, Rebecca. I'm very glad that I can join the podcast. It's an honor to be there. So, yes, let's go for it. So tell us a little bit first about you and how did you get started in rowing? I got started uh, because I, I like water <laughs> and um, I started at 12 years uh, going to a, a club in the Netherlands here in Amsterdam and I started as youth in the single school as they call it in English. Here in the Netherlands they call it skiff. Um, but anyhow, we will speak about single sculling since this is an English podcast. Um, so I went in the skiff right away. Oh, sorry. This is so, <laughs> I said already skiff because it's so in, in the Netherlands is so common to use this word. I started in the single skill right away and, um, that made a lot of fun. Um, so I continued rowing, um, uh, and uh, the first until I was about 22, I was doing competitions uh, on a on a higher level, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. But then you get uh, to row, to study, and to sleep, and to row, and to study, and to sleep. So after a while, I stopped this. <laughs> and if you stop it, uh, you are grabbed as a coach in the club usually. So this is how the whole oh, rowing wow. started. And your business is called enjoyrowing.com. True. Um, in the club where I was, I stopped the, um, my, my competition rowing. I was grabbed as a coach. Uh, and I first coached uh, another competition rower, youth rower. But after a year, she decided to do another sport. And I thought, well, I invested a whole lot of time to a, uh, a girl that already rode very well. <clears throat> and at the same time, at my club, there were hundreds of members, recreational rowers, who started rowing, had a beginner course, but no follow-up and no improvement of technical uh, skills. So this uh, bothered me. And I thought, this is... Uh, a pity and I started to help these people in my club and I thought that they are so glad that someone finally popped up to really help them to row a little bit better and this is where uh, the whole idea started however I can tell a little bit more because in fact the idea started in Vermont in uh, the United States I was, I studied journalism and part of my study was a, a, a traineeship at a radio station. After this traineeship in the States, I searched for something to do with rowing. And I wrote a letter to the uh, US uh, Rowing Federation that I searched uh, something to do with rowing for, for fun. I ended up at the Craftsbury Sculling Camp which you might know, I don't know. 
And uh, they said, oh, yes, we can use. We can use somebody like you. Just come along and help us out as a volunteer. And so I was there, uh, what, 84 or something like that. I don't know. And I saw how they organized their sculling camps with black-white video <laughs> registrations, analysis, uh, uh, people coming with their single skulls on the roof to the Lake Hosmer, as, as it is called, I think. And I thought, wow, this yeah. is great. What are they doing here? And why don't we have this in Europe? And exactly this question was the beginning of Enjoy Rowing. Um, because it was not happening mm -hmm. like this in Europe. And this is how uh, it started. However, I'm not an Olympic gold rower. And I thought, who am I as an unknown rower and unknown coach to start this? So it took 10 years to convince myself <laughs> that it could be something <laughs> and, and to just start this idea and to look for places to go. Well, this is how I, in a, in a nutshell, how Enjoy Rowing started. That's fantastic. Inspired by Craftsbury. Yes, inspired by Craftsbury Sculling Centre. Thanks to you guys, if you are listening. Um, so this is how it started in 92. Um, I started my first rowing uh, course at the Ratzeburg uh, Ruder Academy, mm -hmm. um, which is famous in Germany. Um, uh, it sounds easy how I got there. It did. It was not easy because I wrote first a letter to the visa if they want to help me. Then I, I went, of course, I went to the Dutch Rowing Federation if they want to help me to start this. But everybody saw a lot of problems. Indeed, it was not easy. <laughs> and the visa said, well, yes, very nice. Here you have a letter of approval. But um, sorry, we are just into race rowing. And so... <sighs> It took some years before I figured out that there was a Ratzeburg Ruder Academy um, who were open to this idea. This, uh, Ratz, this uh, how do you say this in English? The Academy? Yes. Um, uh, yes. Academy. Academy. Yes. So excuse me for my English. <laughs> Anyhow, um, they were open minded because they usually support competition, high-level German rowers. But they had uh, slot times where there was not a lot going on. And, and they invited mm -hmm. me to be in the lower, uh, how do you say this? In the lower hours that the, the academy was yeah. not used by the... Yeah, yeah. And, and they said, well, we have everything you're looking for. For single skills, we have a motorboat. We have rooms for people to stay. And you are welcome to organize this. And so I was very happy with the fax in that time, still a fax I received with all these things. And I thought, wow, yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Because it's a nice location, like in Vermont. Uh, they have every, they have all the facilities I was looking for, and they were open-minded. So I started as a, the first camp. I was a volunteer coach, and uh, I started like that in '92 with six people. And, uh, and another thing I can and add, it continued. 
Yeah, sorry. Uh, another thing I can add is I was looking for a, um, a more experienced coach at that time because I was, or, okay, I was experienced. I did row competition, but I realized if you start a, a sculling camp with open um, application possibilities, I could have high-level rowers in my group which I might not be able to coach myself. Uh, I was a bit afraid mm -hmm. of this. And I thought, well, mm -hmm. I need a better coach to join me. And I found the, the Belgian top coach who passed away, unfortunately, years ago. But he was so interested in this idea that he said, okay, I take off a week from my job as top coach and I come to help you. And so the first 10 years we were working together and I was, um, uh, I was not worrying about having high level uh, scholars in my group, which I might not provide the right information as a coach because I was, I was experienced, but uh, yeah, a bit insecure about this part. Well, this is how I started the first 10 years of it. <laughs> And you continue to do camps. Are they mainly for recreational fitness rowers? Um, <laughs> fitness rowers, I like this, but I don't call it. I call them recreational rowers. Um, you have very different levels in recreational rowers. There are people who just want to do uh, a training, an outing, just to go for six kilometers and back and then go back to work and they're rowing on their own. Mm -hmm. There are people who are rowing because they like the coffee afterwards. And, uh, <laughs> and so they're rowing in little groups and just for fun and rowing up and down twice a week and then go for the coffee. And you have a little bit more um, ambitious recreational rowers who row for fun, but now and then want to do a small competition. So there is a broad mm -hmm. uh, variety of rowers, which can be called recreational rowers. And for all these groups, uh, this uh, enjoy rowing was um, meant. And I invented the name enjoy rowing after I invented the Dutch name, which uh, enjoy rowing oh. in Dutch is plezier. Dot NL. Um, as exactly, it was rowing pleasure, but somehow that didn't uh, sound so nice. So I was thinking about an English version, and then I suddenly popped up with enjoyrowing.com, which, which is which is exactly what it is. So I was very proud to invent the, the English name as well, <laughs> um, and. Uh, and then I started these uh, sculling camps and I immediately recognized that it was necessary that people improve their technique, their own technique first. So therefore I focused on single skulls uh, because if you are in a single skull, you are with you and the single skull. There is nobody else to interrupt or to disturb you. There's nobody, nobody else to blame in the boat. It's just you and a single skull. And a single skull is giving uh, back all information to, to the rower. 
So this is a very nice tool to use. Um, and also, if people ha are having different levels, um, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 not a problem. They all can come to the sculling camp and the sculling course. They they don't bother each other. Ah, it's easier if you are there to talk to. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, they're they're not uh, bothered by somebody else who is high level scholar, and the high level scholar is not bothered by the low level scholar. In fact, they can mm -hmm. learn from each other. Still, they still can learn from each other because I always do video recordings. At that time, that was new for recreational rowers. In '92, nobody was doing this for recreational rowers to have video and analysis. And I, do, I did it every day. The camps were about six days. Wow. And, and uh, yeah. they were staying at the lake. They had a nice environment. They were on holiday. And at the same time, they were learning for to how to row better. And because we were doing this so intensive and every day uh, video analy analysis, uh, they had a goal for the next day. This is exactly how ah. you yeah, and they are very motivated to try to improve this film on a on a little thing we focused on. Yeah, to in, in for instance, if you sit very much to, uh, with a bent back, how do you say this? Yeah, and after um, bent, yeah, yeah, and you see this in the video, and then I tell, okay, we are focusing for the next day that you take a little bit different position in the boat, and then. I choose just one or two topics, not too many, because this is what a, huge, a lot of coaches do in the recreational or in the beginning. They are having, yeah, you have to improve this and this and this and this. And people are starting, ah, I stop rowing. This is nothing for me. But if you just choose one or two topics, you can uh, you say, okay, well, I can handle these topics and I can try to improve. Um and, and then usually we saw this next day, you see this difference on the video. So this is how the camp started. And I'm off topic now, I don't know. And why it's a single school, why it's focused on single school. I also went down in size because in Vermont where I saw this, there were 25 scholars. I reduced yes. to 10 or 12 with two coaches. Because I wanted, this is also a holiday, and I wanted the group to, to let it be a group more. And if there's a big group, uh, you have small groups, and it starts to be a different vibe. So this is, yeah. I size down. And you have continued to run these courses, but you've told me that you've got a new thing that you're doing now. Well, I think we jump too fast. Um, <laughs> and, uh, these courses, um, after uh, they, they, uh, I'm a, I'm a freelance journalist, so I'm a freelance. I could organize. I did organize the course the first time once a year. I was one week. Then um, there was uh, so much. Um, so many people wanted to come there was no spot anymore so i over two weeks 
So this continued uh, and it started to be five weeks in Ratzeburg, the ruler, the Dutch, uh, the German uh, academy. So it, it, it started to be a company. And in fact, I, I started to be a paid coach. I went from voluntary to, yes. to pay because it was a lot of work in the meantime. And also because I worked together with the top coach, I was improving myself as a coach as well. Um, so it, it uh, how do you say, it, it, uh, it, it grew, um, it expanded, no? Um, it, it became yes. bigger. <laughs> yes. The whole thing became bigger. Yes. And then the academy in Germany said, well, um, we, we don't have that many slots anymore besides, uh, yeah. Um, and I had to look for a new location. Uh, wow. I could still go there for a few weeks a year, but the other amount of people I could not, I didn't have the location for. So I searched for another five years for a new location, but I was completely spoiled by the first location because everything was there and it was top location. So how do I find this new location? And this was an immense search. I had a lake, I had no boats. I had a nice uh, boats. There was no nice environment. I had um, a nice mm. uh, hotel, but then there was no lake. And so <laughs> um, I was looking around. Then I had all things together, but then the weather, uh, there was a lake with lots of wind or I don't know what. So it took a long time. And after five years, I invented the Saar also in Germany. And I started, uh, It's you can see it on the side, it's a very special water uh, and it is down in the trees. It's it's below, it's, it's okay. completely sheltered from wind and it is a uh, natural environment. And it has, it was a former um, academy from the German top sport, a former one, but it was empty. Nobody hardly used it. And I was there after long search. And I saw it and in a few seconds. I knew this is it. This is the new location. This is perfect. Yeah. Uh, but then I had to organize boats and organize something else because the building was there, but it was almost not used. And I was surprised. How, how can right. be a location like this not be used? So I organized things together. It's a, it's a whole story. I tell it in a minute. But anyhow... And I started the sarrowingcenter.com, which is another one. Uh, and then my company, the rowing company, exploded because um, I could offer the courses like uh, I didn't have to deal with the slots of the academy. I could uh, make the slots like I could. I wanted it. And I knew already people want to yes. not to come six days, but they wanted to come three uh, shorter times, so like a long weekend. Um, mm -hmm. And I now I was able to offer this, and I so I offered three days or four days, and I I, I reduced again to eight people only in one course mm -hmm. because I thought, well, I'm not sure this is working. I start on my own, and I can handle in my concept. It's uh, possible to handle eight persons at the same time, the way I do it. Yeah. Um, so I start alone, so I can see if it's working or not. And um, 
and, and there were some people from the Netherlands who helped me uh, sponsoring eight winter boats, skiffs, single skulls, One. which I, um, I'm very grateful because without that it wouldn't happen. But uh, I didn't own the single skulls because I said, I don't want to worry about the, the, the single skulls. Please, I want to rent them from you, not to have them because I don't want to, uh, the worries about this. So there was a boathouse with exactly these eight single skulls, nothing else, and a place to stay. And uh, the boathouse belonged to um, another center, uh, which was taking care of this boathouse, but there was nothing happening. So, and they arranged catering. Uh, it was a complex right. organization altogether, but I started in 2011, was the first uh, season, and I popped from 40 uh, scholars a year to 150 a year. Wow. So I was completely flabbergasted when I put this online that I had so many applications and I go, huh, okay. <laughs> and so I had, I, I organized like 19 courses and Ratzeburg in North, Northern Germany. So I was already full time at that time, organizing things and doing all things myself, by the way, from the, the taxes to, um, to the PR, to the website. I, I did everything, coaching, um, arranging everything. Um, and I, I kept it like three seasons, um, three years. I did all the courses myself in Northern Germany and in the new location. Um, and then it got too much, uh, because I'm, I wanted to do also my other, uh, things. And I found someone that took it, uh, he took it over now. Since 2014, somebody else took over sarrowingcenter.com, and now it's even bigger. So it continued, mm -hmm. and it's even bigger. Um, yes, I want to add uh, one location more because I wanted to. I had this dream to put one single course in the south of Spain in the winter time, um, and. Uh, yes, it happened also there in a natural environment on a beautiful lake in Andalusia. I organized eight times a uh, single course concept in the same way. Again, there was nothing at the lake. It was even worse than all the others. There was nothing. There was just a lake. <laughs> and I organized uh, the single schools from the rowing center of Sevilla, 100 kilometers. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it was not easy because they wanted, they didn't want to rent out the single skills to me at first. But after long conversations and uh, a pilot camp with um, not the better single skills, but a little bit less better single skills, I, I did a pilot first. <clears throat> and after this pilot, they were convinced and I could organize eight times. I could organize a single skills course in this beautiful Spanish lake. Um, and then uh, the management changed and uh, uh, Corona came and I stopped there. I stopped it. So yes. what, I do, what I did until last year, 
was just uh, in northern Germany the still the two two or three weeks. I reduced the whole thing a little bit. So this is the first part. <laughs> Talk to us about the second part. The second part is um, after 30 years organizing these uh, sculling things, um, enjoying a lot of uh, people coming by, improving their techniques, seeing big smiles. And um, the organization part became a little bit too much. So what I want to do this year mm -hmm. is I want to be a coach for clubs, help come to clubs. I do already. They invite me. Um, and say, hey, we have, uh, we want to improve we, uh, our coaches, uh, how to teach uh, beginners or how to teach recreational rowers better. Please help out uh, with. Uh... So I do this already. I did it in Switzerland, in Germany, in the Netherlands. Uh, but I want to extend this part. Um, it's sort of how can I help you <laughs> idea. And um, yes. This is this is fun for me because the organization is mainly in the club and not at my part. And I mm -hmm. just come by and I help them and I do a nice interactive programs with the coaches and try to motivate them to teach. Um, and also, if if rowers want to organize themselves a skiff, uh, sing sorry, single skill clinic in a club with with a small mm -hmm. group. People, they can just give a call or write a mail and and we see what we can organize um, and yes so still I offer uh, single school weeks or more days in a row but um, only if people uh, put themselves together as a little group and then give me a mail or a call we want this or we want this over there or whatever and this is my new, what I call my new direction, because it's a pity to waste all the experience I have as a coach and to just stop. I don't want to stop. It's, it will be a waste of, yeah, knowledge. That's really, really exciting. And of course, Carla, you tell me this in on the continent in Europe. There are some very, very large rowing clubs with a large number of people who are recreational rowers rather than yeah. racing rowers. So these are your target audience. They were from the beginning and they are still. It's still not solved mm -hmm. in a lot of clubs um, that because these recreational rowers are also the rowers who are financing the whole rowing club. Um, this, is, this is the foundation of the clubs. And it is too bad that exactly these people have difficulty to find uh, better coaching. Or because, let me say, I there are a lot of re, um, volunteer coaches in rowing clubs, and and they're doing their best, whatever they can, to help everybody. But usually they are um, grabbed for uh, youth coaching or they are grabbed for uh, coaching the uh, more ambitious rowers to, to row races. And then these people who are in between this big group, they have a hard time to find a coach after they started rowing because most clubs do have some coaching, of course, in the beginning to learn how to row. 
But even then, we here in the Netherlands, there are clubs, I just spoke to a club in The Hague, and they uh, have new rowers that are like on the waiting list, and then they come, and there are 50 people that have to learn how to row. This must be done by volunteers in the club. A lot of clubs have waiting lists because the volunteers cannot... Uh, facilitate so many rowers how to learn how to row so these volunteers in the clubs are are heavily um, occupied uh, to try to arrange everything yeah. and uh, they are focused on the youth on the more ambitious rowers and on the beginning rowers but after the beginning rowers enter the club usually uh, there are exceptions of course there are exceptions with clubs who managed to have also coaches for this huge big group but mostly they are a little bit left alone and and want to improve and um but cannot find and this is exactly the target and it started 30 years ago and it still were it still needs it's still a need for it yeah yeah i have found the same exactly the same thing because they are adults so they once they are safe in a rowing boat, the club thinks that's okay. Whereas if it's children, children shouldn't be left alone. You need to have a launch for safety reasons. You know, you have to have a coach going out with children. And this is the reason why a lot of masters rowers are quite neglected, I think, by the clubs that they're members of. This is what this is what I think too. And I still feel uh, it is like this. It's uh, because all of... Because all the courses I did and all the people I met from different countries in Europe, from different clubs, and they tell me this story. So I sort of have an overview and an overfeeling, uh, a feeling about this. This is still going on. Um, so, yeah. And also the, the rowing federations are usually concentrating a lot on, on competition rowing. And uh, so is the visa although they organize nice tours for tour rowers uh now you say this in uh, just for a tour with um, yeah, touring rowing touring rowing is big as well but these are again another yes. group this is another group um uh, with another focus um i usually have um uh, yeah no i i have people who row long distances in my courses. I have recreational rowers who row up and down twice a week. Um, and But the touring rowers, yes. I don't have so much because they have, this is a different group again. They go to the visa tours and mm -hmm. um, enjoy uh, exploring new countries and uh, the social thing about it, uh, meeting other rowers. This is a different group and they usually are not really interested to really improve uh, technique. As well, this is what I noticed, they they row in a different way, which I find fine. I mean, if if this is what you want, the, the sport is not meant to be competition or only tour or only competition or only pleasure. There are different ways to row, and I think as long as you row, it's fine. If you need a coach, uh, I'm there. If not, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, as long as you are happy with your so, rowing. So, Carla, tell everybody. Huh? 
as long as you're happy doing your own. I think yeah. that's a very good motto. So tell, tell the listeners where they can contact you. Uh, just go to the website, uh, enjoyrowing.com. And there you find uh, mm -hmm. my mail address and uh, just write a mail. I think this is the, the most simple way. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe there is a phone number on <laughs> too, but I'm not so sure. I'd, I have to look at my own website. <laughs> but I think the mail in these days is fine. And I react quite fast on mails. Um, and uh, yeah, I am happy to travel to your club and and just help out and motivate uh, rowers and people and and do nice things together um yeah i think uh, this is it uh, i have one question rebecca do you know about rowan air yes you do it's yes. a type of boat eh? yes yeah, well, I discovered this a few years ago, and what I liked about it mm. is I don't have to bother about trailers and single skulls anymore. I can just put it in my car. <laughs> exactly, fact, and you inflate them. <laughs> yeah, I will show you where I live. You see what is going on here? Oh, I'm you live in a houseboat. Yes, true. So in, in my houseboat, underneath in my uh, cellar for my houseboat, I have the row and error. <laughs> and now I then uh, I row from here. Fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. I like it because... Finally, the coach is rowing. Yes, 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 yes. But I like it too because um, it's very stable. And for beginner rowers, it's an excellent tool. And they're safe. They're safe on it. Um, what I found, though, is it's hard to convince rowing clubs they might use something like that because it's it's not looking like a single skull. <laughs> it looks very different. And uh, this is a sort of mental thing in rowing clubs, which is still uh, difficult because, in fact, you can dam the, the damage on a rowing air is not huge. I mean, you can if you. If you go out with your single skull and you make a turn and you make a bad turn in um, with a building next to you, you have a damage. You have damaged your. You see what I mean? And the row air is not. It's just uh, very stable and very safe. But anyhow, I'm I'm a fan, and uh, I can use it uh, with the coaching. It's great. It's absolutely great. Um, and so, but this is. Uh, not about enjoy rowing. Uh, yeah, I do use it sometimes. And uh, yeah, it makes you very independent where you go. You can go anywhere to row. Um, I don't have to, to call a, a rowing club, can I use your boats for a sculling course? No, I can just go and offer something somewhere. And this is what I like about it. <laughs> Well, Carla, it seems to me that you have broken a lot of the old-fashioned ways of doing things in your <laughs> long career as a rowing coach. And I encourage anyone who's listening today who thinks that they would like to get Carla's expertise, please get in touch at enjoyrowing.com. This has been 
the Rowing Chat podcast with me, Rebecca Carrot. And until next time, 